special report, a look at data breach notification around the world. That and other stories coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. The European Union in late May instituted new data breach notification requirements, though the EU won't enforce those rules for another two years. The General Data Protection Regulation, as the new rule is known, will provide consistent structure to notify individuals and law enforcement of data breaches throughout the EU, replacing varying rules on the books among European nations. ISMG editors, including me, have been looking into data breach notification laws around the globe, and I'm joined by ISMG data breach editor Matt Schwartz to discuss our findings. Hi, Matt. Hi, Eric. Let's start off with the EU's general data protection regulations, or what will they do? Well, it is a very broad law, and it replaces a directive that was passed in 1995. Directives then go to countries to transpose them into their own laws. What's interesting about the new regulation is when the regulation gets enforced, it will be enforced equally across all 28 EU member countries. It includes a lot of very interesting aspects. For example, companies are going to have to have data protection officers if they're handling people's personal information. It will also institute the region's first ever mandatory data breach notifications. Previously, some telcos and ISPs had to notify if they had a breach, but now all organizations will need to alert authorities and affected consumers if they've mishandled their personal data. Though enforcement remains two years off, should governments and businesses and other organizations begin to prepare for the law now? That's what I'm hearing, yes. Security experts say that organizations should start preparing right away because it is different than what was in place and it is going to have additional obligations. For example, privacy is something that organizations will have to offer details about, what steps they've taken to secure people's personal information for any products or services. And that goes not just for organizations based in the EU, but any organization globally that has a customer in the EU be it a cloud service, a software package, or anything else that you can think of. Here's Dublin-based cybersecurity expert, Brian Honan. We're advising our clients to start right now. We've got 400 working days to get things in place between now and May 2018. It's better to start early and make sure you're identifying within your organization where personal data is held, how it's gathered, how it's stored, how it's protected, and reviewing that and plan together to make sure you will be compliant. So one interesting aspect to the EU's new data protection regulation is that it applies across Europe. It's a single law. I find what's interesting about that is it contrasts with the United States, where, as I understand it, there's a patchwork of regulations now in effect. You're right, Matt. The U.S. is a lot like Europe. Data breach notification requirements are on the books for most of the nation, but they're not uniform. 47 of the 50 states, as well as the District of Columbia, the nation's capital, and three territories have their own data breach notification requirements. Businesses generally would like to see one federal law. After all, it's a lot easier to comply with one law than 51 separate statutes, and many in Congress and President Obama agree. But legislation bogged down in Congress is seen as providing weaker privacy protections than those offered by some states. And those states, along with privacy advocates, have been able to block passage of a federal law, at least for now. I doubt any uniform data breach protection law would be enacted in this election year where many lawmakers would rather campaign for re-election than to legislate. There's a lot of chatter about a single law. I think it's an easy thing to talk about, but as you've indicated, when it comes down to it, there doesn't seem to be agreement about how strong that law, that law should be. 
And if it were to replace weaker state laws, there's little incentive for states to play ball. Our colleague Gita Nandakotkor looked into the status of data breach notification regs in India. Matt, what did she find? India is interesting. There's a lot of discussion in a theoretical sort of way about what cybersecurity and information security best practices might be. When you look at whether or not the region could actually have a data breach notification law, which it does not, what experts are saying is it's not going to happen anytime soon. And part of the reason for that is there's just no mechanism in place, apparently, through which a data breach notification law could be enforced. One of the big takeaways is just because you don't hear about breaches, doesn't mean they're not happening. That was one of the big facts that came to light after California's SB 1386 was passed back in 2003. All of a sudden, when notifications become mandatory, the full and scary extent of the data breach problem becomes known. On downside for a region such as India, not having mandatory notifications is we don't actually know how bad breaches currently are in that region. Another colleague, Sydney-based Jeremy Kirk, we'll meet him shortly in our next segment, reported on the status of breach notification in Australia and New Zealand. Both of those countries have been discussing having federal data breach notification requirements, and they have fielded various proposals or have them underway. They're looking at how that could best be accomplished. But for the moment, anyway, it's just been talk and no action. As with India, that is not unusual. There's almost 90 countries that have some type of data protection laws on the books, but the vast majority of those countries have no notification requirements. Well, it's a story we'll be following for the months and years ahead. Thanks very much, Eric. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The newest member of the ISMG editorial team is Jeremy Kirk. Jeremy joins me from his office in Sydney, Australia. Welcome to ISMG and the ISMG Security Report. Thank you, Eric. You just returned from the OSERT conference near Brisbane and filed several stories on key IT security trends. Let's talk about one of them. You addressed the continuing battle e-commerce sites face from online fraudsters. Are the good guys losing the war? The good guys are facing a lot of challenges. I spoke with Michael Smith, who's Akamai Security CTO for Asia Pacific and Japan, and what he's noticed over the last four years is an increasing number of attacks against e-commerce vendors, mainly using stolen login credentials. Who's behind these attacks? There are a couple of groups, one in particular that I think was in Vietnam that was creating tools to be able to use stolen credentials to try to log into services with the aim of taking over accounts. This group created a bunch of tools and also put them on sites, shared them on sites like Pastebin. So the tools have kind of spread and it appears that there are other groups also using these tools as well. What Michael told me is that there's these groups, uh, there was a major one in Vietnam that have created these tools with the aims of compromising uh, accounts to get non-cash instruments such as gift cards and loyalty points. They're relatively large population-wise, and most of them are based, or it's like the diaspora, so it's immigrants from Southeast Asia. They don't need a lot of money, they don't need a lot of cash, and they have a lot of human resources to put on things. Anytime you have an organization like that, you'll see a large majority of them that don't have many technical skills, and they'll take their tool set and implement it as a web form where anybody with a browser can actually go use the tools instead of having to download something, and it's just a lot more involved that way. What else are these fraudsters doing? 
So what the groups are doing is that they're creating scripts, uh, mostly written in PHP, and the scripts are called account checkers. It allows people to dump in stolen login credentials, and then they can test them against a large number of websites. When it's successful, they have access to an account, and then they can go in and try to perform some kind of fraud. What are some of the things organizations can do to mitigate uh, these threats? It can be tough to stop these kinds of attacks because what e-commerce vendors don't want to do is inconvenience legitimate customers. So when you start blocking ranges of servers and these attackers have kind of evolved their methodologies and so they're rotating through a big network of proxy servers. So simply blocking servers doesn't necessarily work. But what they can do is start looking for signs that accounts have been taken over. And for example, if a number of accounts share a common email address, that is one sign that the attackers have taken over account and then are trying to receive the communications from that account. Another thing too is that typically they'll change the shipping address and if a large number of accounts suddenly show up with the same shipping address, that could be a sign that these fraudsters are trying to mail prepaid gift cards to a residence that they control. Sounds like the organizations need to be vigilant. Yes, very much so. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Finally, the ranking member of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee questions the conventional wisdom that SciTech Services discovered the breach of computers at the Office of Personnel Management when the vendor demonstrated a high-speed forensic analytic tool that required access to an OPM system. That breach exposed the personal information of some 21.5 million individuals, including many government, military, and contractor employees with security clearances. And at the time, some lawmakers highly criticized OPM officials for not discovering the breach themselves. But in a letter sent this past week to the leaders of the House Intelligence Committee, Representative Elijah Cummings contends Brandon Salisbury, an OPM contract engineer, discovered the breach in mid-April 2015 as part of his job at the agency's Security Operations Center. That was five or six days before the SciTech product demonstration. According to Cummings' letter, Salisbury told the oversight panel that he observed malware beaconing out of the command and control server from two different servers. The malware was masked as McAfee antivirus files. Cummings says he wants to set the record straight that OPM indeed first discovered the breach and not a vendor demonstrating a product. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.